Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello and welcome to The Inner Life today here on this Wednesday of the first week of Advent. So glad to have you along as we uh, spend this hour journeying together, this hour of spiritual direction here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. And when have you faced something in your life that seemed like there might be no hope or maybe very little hope? If things looked dire, then at that point, was it, oh, okay, now I'll turn to prayer. And then it, did you ask God for help with whatever it was, maybe asking for a healing for someone that you love? Perhaps you were asking for something for one of your children, asking for something that maybe seemed impossible, but you still prayed. When we look for that help that goes beyond natural, when it's something that is, you know, that, that, that goes beyond any of our ability to impact our circumstances, our surroundings, the environment that we live in. We're hoping for a miracle at that point. One place that I've visited numerous times is a small little shrine in northeastern Wisconsin. It's located about 20 minutes north of Green Bay. It's the Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help. It's the only approved apparition site where the Blessed Mother, Mary, has appeared here in the U.S., um, again, at least approved. And It's been the site of numerous miracles, large and small. In fact, I want you to give a listen to this. This is an interview that Megyn Kelly did on NBC's Today Show a few years back about a woman who experienced a healing after going there and praying at the shrine. Nancy Foytick, a retired grandmother, says at the time she was diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer, she was a lapsed Catholic who struggled to remember the words even to the Hail Mary. But she was told the place she needed to go was this shrine. And when she did, she says what happened next can only be described as a miracle. Please join me in welcoming Nancy Foytick. So you you get this diagnosis, stage four colon cancer that's metastasized to your lungs, right? And what was the prognosis at that time? Two years. So it was terminal, they told you. And somebody suggests maybe maybe there's something you can do. Go to the shrine. Had you ever heard uh, of the shrine? Did you know this was a we've thing? We've heard of the shrine, but we never, we always wanted to go, but never did. And so when we found out we didn't have any hope, we went there for guidance. So when we were in there praying, we all went as a family, my three children and my husband, and we prayed for guidance. And when I was there, Like I said, I can't explain it other than that. I didn't hear the words, but I felt them that said, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. So then you go, you you were getting medical treatment. Yes. I had one chemo, and it was right before we went in for a second opinion to Freighter Hospital in Milwaukee. 
So you had a surgery to remove a tumor from the colon? Yes. Ultimately, you did have surgery. In Appleton, Dr. Chris Wagner took the the, um, tumor out of me, which was the size of a softball. And then both lungs, they said, were affected. Uh, Two spots on the left and two spots on the right. And which lung had surgery first? The right. And they they took out those tumors? Yes, it was cancerous. And then they went to the left? In February, they went to the left. And what happened? And Dr. Gaspari sent the, took six inches of my lung, about an inch, inch and a half wide. And he sent it down to lab and they said, there's no cancer. And he said, check it again. And they said, no cancer. And he said, check it again. And it was no cancer. There's no medical explanation for the fact that they were there and then they weren't there. It looked like it. It was mushy like it, but it wasn't. And, I mean, do you believe that you received a miracle? The thing is, through this whole journey, we never once said the word miracle. We just knew that when I walked out of the chapel that day that I was going to be cured. So, because this is very personal, that you just kind of want to keep it to yourself because it's that personal. But I had to explain to them why. I knew I wasn't going to go through this again. I may go through something else, but I'm not going to go through this again. But right now, are you cancer-free? I'm cancer-free since February. Unbelievable. That's just one of those stories. Uh, At the Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help, there are numerous healings that have happened. There's a wall, actually, right uh, there in the chapel. It's actually right below the chapel in a crypt area where that's the apparition site. And there's a wall that has dozens of crutches and canes that have been left by people who have been healed. And I, I think it's pretty natural for us when we ask for those miracles, when we pray for us to focus primarily on physical healings. If we're hurting or we're sick or if someone we love is going through that sickness or that physical pain, we want it to stop. We want to comfort that person. And today in the gospel reading that we hear at Mass, we see Jesus healing all kinds of people. And then it goes on to tell about Jesus feeding thousands of people with only seven loaves of bread and a few fish, miracle after miracle after miracle in just the span of a few sentences there in today's gospel reading. And so today, during this hour of the inner life, that's what we want to discuss. We want to discuss miracles, what they mean for us, what they are, and uh, how we pray, how we pray for those miracles, if we should be praying for a miracle. And joining us to help us understand miracles better is Father Eric Nielsen as our spiritual director. He's back with us once again. Father Eric is a priest in the Diocese of Madison, Wisconsin, and he's the pastor of St. Paul University Catholic Center on the campus of the University of Wisconsin in Madison. Uh, Father Eric, I'm so glad to welcome you back here to The Inner Life again, and uh, glad to be talking with you about miracles on uh, this day, where we have this wonderful reading out of St. Matthew's Gospel. Yeah, I mean, it's um, our Lord's testimony, and his um, his whole ministry was validated and uh by miracles, and in fact, um, our whole faith rests on a miracle, his resurrection from the dead. So, you know, without, without belief in miracles and without miracles, our, our, you know, our religion is pretty much gutted out of all of its um, supernatural meaning. And we're, we're yeah. just left with a really good club. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember that, that that was something that I know a number of people tried to go through. Gosh, this would have been back maybe... 
in the mid or early 90s or something, there were people who tried to, it might have been the Jesus seminars, if I remember correctly, and they tried to say, well, we're going to strip the Gospels of anything that really has Jesus talking about his deity. We're going to strip it of any miraculous happenings. And they they tried to make Jesus just simply a good man and a teacher. And that's something that, you know, C.S. Lewis very famously in his book, Mere Christianity, pointed out and said, Jesus didn't give us that option. You know, you can call him a lunatic, somebody who just believes that he is a god of the universe. Uh, he could be somebody who is very, very sinister, worse than the devil himself by misleading so many people, or he is who he claims to be. And those miracles, if you try and take them away, uh, it just doesn't make any sense for our faith anymore. Yeah, I mean, our faith is, would be gutted out. There was a time, too, where people thought, well, do you have to really believe, did Jesus have to truly rise from the dead in order to have faith? And there's kind of this kind of humanistic view of miracles, that miracles just really exist in our own subjective understanding of what happened, you know, but they're just truly natural occurrences that just, you know, suddenly happen in just the right way that we experience them as a miracle, but they're not really truly miracles. They're not really direct interventions from God. And the reason that is you're you're falling back into true naturalistic view of the world, where the world is just, you know, there there is no spiritual aspect of it, or there's a lot of people, too, and I find this, too, is that, you know, God exists, but he doesn't really directly intervene. He's not really directly interested in, in what's happening. And, you know, a, a miracle, a true miracle for somebody who's just living a life on a purely natural level is very upsetting because suddenly there is a God, he does care, he is involved, and I need to respond to this God. I just can't be going about my life in a just a you know a happy, natural way. So I, I think that's really part of the battle over 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 miracles on an on an intellectual level. The modern world hmm, that, cannot have a miracle. Yeah, yeah, because it does demand some sort of response. You either have to acknowledge it, or you have to deny it and try and rationalize what's just happened there. And you might not be able to rationalize that. I, I hadn't really given that much consideration before. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the whole modern project falls apart if if miracles exist and, and they do happen. So even like the story that we heard, this beautiful story, this woman cured from cancer, okay? Was that a miracle? Well, you and I would both say that's a miracle, right? That's a direct intervention of God. But in some ways, you know, there, there could be a natural explanation for that. Maybe, you know, there's the cancer is going to go away on its own or whatever the case may be. Right, she had the one chemo treatment, sure. Yeah, you know, right, but again, you know, she's convinced that she had a miracle. I mean, I wouldn't have played it on the program if if I wouldn't have agreed with her. Right, and she should be, you know what I mean? If if all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're praying that you can get to this important event that's very important to you and you're on the side of the road with a flat tire, and there's nobody around, and suddenly somebody just shows up who has the exact tire that you need, you know, because they just happen to have it in the back of their pickup truck, and they sell it to you for 20 bucks. Well, you know, you prayed for that. Well, what's the odds of that happening? That's a miracle, right? But in a sense, it's a purely natural occurrence. And so when we do talk about miracles, and what the church really considers miracles is things that are just completely above nature, you know, like, 
a pre-stained mass and, you know, floating in the air, um, like the miracle of multiplications of loaves and fishes, like the miracle of, um, you know, the nuns praying to um, um, St. Cabrini and suddenly eyes that were eaten away by acid suddenly just reappear in a baby's face. You know, those are things that are just, you know, completely inexplicable by any type of, um, of natural explanation. But even those, it's interesting too with miracles is, I mean, how many people saw the miracles of Jesus and still refused to believe? You know, that's, um, and so we see the thing about miracles is that while our faith rests on the miracle of the resurrection, faith is a gift of God from, of the Holy Spirit given to a particular person. So all of you alter with faith. You should be very thankful because it's a gift. It's a gift that you accepted. And our faith doesn't rest, in a sense, on the miracles that we see. But miracles are important because they ratify our faith, they strengthen our faith, they deepen our faith, and they give us a greater um, respect for God, a greater appreciation of his awe, and a greater understanding of his goodness, that he does love us. You know, if God never intervened in the world, and never showed us affection by working miracles, we'd, you know, we'd start to wonder, you know, is he really there? You know, is, is he mm-hmm. really a loving God that cares for us? Well, so as you're talking about the feeding of the 5,000, um, and I say 5,000, you know, the, the little details vary a little by, uh, you know, gospel by gospel, but this is a miracle that apparently was so significant that it's recorded in all four of the gospel accounts. You know, there, there's a lot of things that cross over, of course, from the four different gospel accounts. But this one miracle is, I think it might be one of the only miracles that is recorded in every single one outside of, you know, the, the resurrection of Christ, resurrection. you know, things, yeah. things like that, that, that are key to the gospel story. Um, first of all, I guess, why do you think that miracle is so important to all of the gospel writers? Well, obviously, I think, first of all, because it made a big impact on everybody at the time. So it, um, you know, it, made a, it had a very emotional, emotional impact. But more importantly, because of its Eucharistic significance. And For sure. the fact that you know, God is here to, um, to feed us with um, the Eucharist. And so um, I think that's why it's, it's so important and why it's in every single gospel. Well, and so, you know, St. John, he's the one who then, the very next day, right after the feeding of the 5,000 takes place, Jesus speaking to the exact same crowd of people, or or presumably at least the large majority of the people would be the same ones, that's where Jesus goes into his bread of life discourse. And it's the same crowd, not only having been fed, but they see all the leftovers that are collected after. They come to him that day, and they, as Jesus tells them to believe that he is from God the Father, they're still asking for a sign. Hey, Jesus, you know, do do a miracle for us. Prove you are who you say you are. Do you think that's, is that a danger for all of us that God gives us some sort of gift of a miracle, but we become so quick to forget and... <laughs> And then it's well, the yeah. very next moment. It's well, you know, God, are you really there? Could you could you do something to prove you're there for me? Yeah, you know, it's it's, it's that old thing. What have you done for me lately? Right. So, <laughs> football coach is only good as his last as his last win. 
So that's that's right. just basic. That's just basic human nature, and that's why when um, when we look at miracles, you know, in our own lives, and you know, in our own spiritual life, and that is, we we you know, and sometimes people do this with religious feelings as well as we. You know, you go hunting for miracles. You know, we're, we're hunting for those. We need to see them. We need to have them in order in order to grow in our faith. And we need to accept them when they come. We need to be very thankful for them. But we can't, as I said before, base our faith on them. We use them to increase our faith when we see them. But our faith is based on our life of prayer, asking God to increase our faith, um, asking our God to put greater faith in, you know, the miracle of the Eucharist that we see you know, every time we go to Mass, and hopefully, you know, our faith then comes to the point where, you know, we don't really need these miracles anymore, right? We, that we, we've we, all, The only miracle we really need to have is the resurrection of our Lord. You know, uh, all these other miracles just kind of help us get, get to that point. But uh, I forget which, I think it was C.S. Lewis said, too, you know, if, if God all of a sudden moved the whole city from one end of England to another, you know, they'd be spellbound about it for about 48 hours and they'd forget it ever happened. <laughs> so that's that's definitely a difficulty that we come up against. Yeah, I, our spiritual director, Father Eric Nielsen, today we're talking about miracles. And how about you? When have you experienced that miracle in your life and what happened? And how did it help to strengthen your faith? Just like Father Eric's talking about, not that your faith is reliant on that, but that it helps to validate and encourage you in your faith? How did it help you grow in a gratitude and appreciation for all that you've received from God? And our studio line to call in, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And we'll continue our conversation in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester. Welcome back to The Inner Life Today here on this Wednesday. I'm Josh Raymond, our spiritual director, Father Eric Nielsen, a priest in the Diocese of Madison, pastor of the St. Paul University Catholic Center on the campus of the University of Wisconsin in Madison. Today, talking about miracles. What are those miracles that you have received in your life? When maybe it didn't seem like things would work out, maybe there was a healing, maybe there was a relationship that was restored, um, maybe you were praying for a son or a daughter or a husband or a wife to come back to the church, and they returned to the church, and uh, their their faith, their relationship with Christ is stronger than ever, and you saw that transformation, that miracle happen in their life, we'd love to hear your story. And you can call in and share that here at 888-914-9149-888-914-9149. And Father Eric, right before the break, you were talking about how you know we might want to hunt out, we might want to seek out those miracles. And it seems in my life, that while I can look back on some amazing miracles that I have witnessed, for the most part, God works in just the ordinary routine 
of my life, through the relationships that I have, through the, the conversations I have with other people, through my time in prayer, reading the Bible, uh, maybe reading the lives of one of the saints, my time at Mass where I hear something the priest might say in the homily, just these ordinary times in my life. And I'm also able then to look back at where I've come through the years. And, you know, it's just the the path that we would say, oh, that's just where life took me. But in retrospect, it's so obvious that my path has been directed and guided by God. Can you talk a little bit about how, while we can pray for miracles in our lives, God will mostly work in those ordinary ways for most of us? Yeah, we have to. That's that's a great point, uh, Josh. And the thing is, we, you know, let's just back up a little bit and talk about a miracle and what a miracle really is. A miracle is is a suspension of natural laws um, by some um, spiritual um, process in which, you know, the normal world is overcome. And in a certain sense, the devil can do that as well. You know, you know, a devil can make a statue move. Um, a devil can make things rise and fall, right? And, it's, and in a certain sense, that's a miracle. It's a suspension of... Um, of natural laws. And if we're looking for those things, if we're trying to see those things, we really can open ourselves up to the um, to a demonic influence and we can really lose our faith. You know, I was listening to the radio one day and this, um, she was an atheist and she was in, she, she was in uh, Africa and, you know, looking for the supernatural. And the guy said, no, you know, you're looking for faith. And she said, no, I'm not looking for faith at all. I want to see things. I want things to actually, these things actually happen. And that's how people sometimes get lured into worshiping Satan because Satan makes concrete things happen. He's not asking for faith. God asks for faith. And so if we really start to look for this stuff and try to find it, we can be easily misled. So, that doesn't mean if my brother has cancer, I'm not praying for a miracle for him to be healed. So when we, we pray for miracles, we tend to pray for them for two things, for people's healing, um, and not just bodily healing, but spiritual healing, which is even a deeper miracle. Please touch my brother so he has his faith. Those are the miracles that we're looking for. But we're not really looking you know, for the supernatural. What we are looking for is, just as you mentioned, we're, we are just looking for... God's simple divine providence in our lives that's leading us along a path that's bringing us closer to him and allowing us to love our neighbor better. And so those are the things. And now, are those miracles? Well, you know, they're natural occurrences, but as we open our eyes to the action of God, we can see God's hands in these things, especially, as you said, Josh, as retrospect, looking back, you know, we can see how God you know, brought us to a certain point or made things kind of happen for us in a, in a beautiful way. You know, as you're talking about that, it reminds me of uh, one of my sons. Uh, he's <laughs> he's um, 11 years old, and he has this joke that he heard recently, and he's been telling it to anyone who will listen to him. I've heard him tell it at least three or four times in the last month. And the joke is, there's this man who's driving through a crowded parking lot, and he can't find any place to park. He's in a hurry, so he begins to pray, and he says, God, if you'll help me find a parking spot, I'll pray a rosary every day for the rest of this month. And he keeps driving around, and he can't find a spot. So he prays again, and he said, uh, God, 
you know I'm in a hurry here, so if you can open up a parking space, I'll go to Mass every day for the next two weeks. And he's still driving around looking, and he's just about to pray for a third time. And right as he opens his mouth, this prime spot opens up right in front of the parking lot. And he says, oh, never mind, God, I found a spot. <laughs> and the, But the, <laughs> the thing with that is how do we guard from... Being oblivious to those moments, you know, I, I, I mentioned and you said, yeah, it's easy to look in retrospect and and say, okay, I can see where God is leading me here. But sometimes we pray for things and God might answer in a way that, like you say, maybe it's not a true miracle. It's not the suspension of natural laws, but God still, he gives us what we want or what we ask for, but then how do we guard against being oblivious or I guess even just ignorant of, you know, God is working in your life here? Uh, how would you suggest that we keep our, our mind open to the fact that, well, those little things, that's probably God's hand at work in those moments too. Yeah. I think what you're talking about there, Josh, is just living a daily life in the presence of God. And just realizing that nothing happens, you know, a sparrow doesn't fall from the sky without, you know, our Heavenly Father permitting it and that all the hairs of our head are counted. And so what we're trying to do, you know, during our day is just to constantly live in the presence of God and know that He is a part of everything that we do. Now that takes, you know, a little bit of work. You're just not going to, you know, have that overnight. And that's why, you know, the real goal there is just to live a consistent spiritual life where you're doing a morning offering, you're doing some mental prayer in the morning, maybe you're going to daily mass, you're saying a rosary in the afternoon, maybe a little bit of mental prayer before you go to bed, doing a little spiritual reading. You know, as you develop a spiritual life where you're putting those things in during the day, then what happens is the presence of God is bridged between those moments. And then you can really see, how, then, it's, then your eyes are more open to it, especially if you are thankful to God for the good things that you get during the day. I mean, one of the problems that we often do as Catholics in the United States is, you know, when we do good things, we attribute it to our good actions and to our good thoughts and our, and our talents, rather than attributing it to the God who gave us these talents, gave us these thoughts, and gave us the ability to do these things. So I'd say, Josh, those are the two things we want to do, first of all, we just want to live a consistent spiritual life throughout the day. And secondly, we want to live a life of thanksgiving where we realize the things that we do do, you know, they come from God's ability. Um, they, our ability comes from God's gift given to us. Mm, yeah, and I like that, live a, a life of thanksgiving. Because um, if we're grateful for all of the little things, uh, it, it, it really does help us focus on all the ways that God is providing for us. Um, I, I, I really like that. Our spiritual director, Father Eric Nielsen, talking today about miracles. Maybe you've received a miracle in your life. What happened? How did it help to strengthen your faith and help you to grow closer to Christ, help you to live out that, that life of gratitude? Uh, for all the blessings that you've received, our studio line, 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. And Father, we've got Herman, who is calling in from Mesa, Arizona. Hi, Herman. Welcome to The Inner Life today. Hello. Hello, Josh. Hello, Father. How are you today? Good. Herman, it sounds like you might be on a speakerphone. Are you uh, on a, on a no, speakerphone on, or a Bluetooth? I'm on my Bluetooth hearing aid. 
Okay. Well, um, go ahead. Uh, what, what did you want to share, Herman? Uh, in 2019, I uh, went on pilgrimage with Relevant Radio and Patrick Madrid to the Holy Land, and part of that pilgrimage was a trip to Assisi. I am a secular Franciscan, and we visited the Cathedral of St. Francis in Assisi, and at the time I was on continuous oxygen, and I got to the tomb of St. Francis, and I was having difficulty breathing, and I asked St. Francis for intercession to God for my breathing, and the next morning I did not have to use my oxygen again, and I haven't used it since. Well, that was... 2019, you said that took place, and I was on I was on the relevant radio pilgrimage with Patrick Madrid. Wow, have um, has that helped the faith of anybody in your family that have that have heard that testimony of yours? Um, not really. Any people, they, people. My 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 family is from the Protestant side of our Christian mm-hmm. community, but it definitely increased your faith. And it has increased mine that St. Francis is still working miracles after, what, I think, 800 years. Herman, thanks so much for calling in and sharing. You know, one of the things that kind of strikes me there listening to Herman uh, tell his, his story, that miracle that happened in his life, is he went on this pilgrimage to the Holy Land, to Assisi. And I mentioned at the beginning of the hour the Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help, um, places like that, places like the Shrine in Lourdes, France. There are certain places that are famous for being those locations of hundreds, even thousands maybe, of healings or other miracles that have taken place. There are places like this all around the world, but why do you think God allows for some of those certain physical geographic locations to be where miracles might happen more regularly than, you know, where you are in Madison, where I am, (laughs) you know, here in in, uh, northern Illinois. Why why does God choose specific locations to work these miracles? Yeah, that's a great question. I guess the the best answer is because God is God. He does what he wants to do, right? Um, But we can kind of speculate as to why God (laughs) God would want that, uh, why God wants that to take place, Um, you know. As he said to Moses, you remove your sandals for where you stand is holy ground. And so as, as, as persons, you know, our, our faith is tied to our bodies. And bodies are tied to places. You know, we just don't have an, this esoteric religion of the mind, you know, that's perfectly spiritual. Our faith is very much tri- tied to places and things. You know, churches are important. Lighting candles are important. And... You know, pilgrimage has always just been a very big part of the Catholic faith. And because a pilgrimage is, in a certain sense, a a mini um, sign of your life's journey from here to heaven, right? So we're on a journey to heaven. And a pilgrimage is a little bit of an, you know, a, a, a little paradigm of that. And so when God does something in a particular place, it's just been my observation, it's usually because of 
the ability of the people in that place to accept that sign. There's something about those people in that area that they're going to accept it, they're going to um, encourage it, and they're going to love it. So there's a certain preparation that goes on there in the people. And then secondly, I think God chooses places in particular that are that he wants us. It's not that that particular place is that important. It's that it's a, it, it is a place. And so it causes us to, to, again, move from our natural environment to really seek out God's um, mercy and to seek out God's love. You know, you can kind of think of it as the reading we just had, I think maybe two weeks ago, of um, Zacchaeus hanging up in a tree, right? You know, he, he wants to see Jesus. He's seeking the face of Christ. And so he climbs up this tree, and God rewards him for that effort. And so, you know, God just doesn't give stuff to us very often with us putting effort into it, because if we don't put effort into it, we don't appreciate the gift. So the idea that I, you know, I'm, I'm, it's, I have to make this difficult journey to go to this place, you know, God rewards that, and we're more able then to appreciate and to accept that gift. So that would be my two, my two explanations. Our spiritual director, Father Eric Nielsen, today we're talking about miracles here on The Inner Life, and what is that miracle that you have had happen in your life that helped to strengthen your faith, helped you grow closer to Christ, helped you to grow in gratitude and appreciation for those blessings that you have received from God. And you can call in and join the program right now at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. We're going to continue our conversation in just a moment, along with more of your phone calls coming up next here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Live here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond. Glad to have you along for this hour. And of course, if uh, you're just joining us, the entire podcast of this hour will be posted later today. You can find it at relevantradio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. And today we're talking with Father Eric Nielsen. He's our spiritual director for the hour. He's a priest in the Diocese of Madison, Wisconsin. He's the pastor of the St. Paul University Catholic Center there on the campus of the University of Wisconsin in Madison. And talking about miracles today. What are those miracles that you have experienced in your life? And... What happened? But more importantly, how did it help you grow closer to Christ? How did it strengthen your faith? In our studio line that you can call in and join the program, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And uh, Father, we've got Leticia who is listening to us in Oceanside, California. Hi, Leticia. Welcome to the program. Hi. Hi. Go right ahead. You're on the air with Father Eric. Oh, okay, I wasn't sure I was supposed to start. Okay, so I'm not Catholic, and I wasn't raised in any particular religion. And in 1997, I had a new job working in downtown Los Angeles in the Ronald Reagan State Building. I had met the judge and the other attorney and the secretary with whom I was going to work. I'm an attorney. And I had picked a bouquet of roses out of my garden to bring to my new secretary. And as soon as I got into the Ronald Reagan State Building and started walking across the big atrium to the bank of elevators, I started arguing with, I, the only thing I could think of, I was arguing with myself. 
you should give those roses to the receptionist. Why would I do that? I don't even know the receptionist. No, really, you should give the flowers to the receptionist. It's hard to describe it, but I'm arguing with myself all the way across this big atrium area, up three floors on the elevator. And when I got off the elevator, in front of me was the bulletproof glass that the receptionist is behind. And I just gave up. And I went up to the window and I held the big bouquet of roses up and I said, these are for you. She buzzed me in to the hallway and she took the roses and she said, did someone tell you to give me these flowers? And I said, no. And she said, well, was there like a florist or somebody downstairs who handed you them and said, take them up to the third floor? And I said, no, I picked them in my yard this morning. So I went down to my office without any flowers for the secretary and later that day, the receptionist came down and asked if she could talk to me. And I thought she was going to ask me for legal advice. And I said, yeah. So she came in and she shut the door. And she said, really? No one told you to give me these flowers. Is that true? And I go, yeah, that's true. Nobody did. And she said, well, and she was Mexican-American. She said, I prayed to St. Teresa. But I found out later this would have been St. Teresa with her friends. She said, I prayed to St. Teresa because I know a little boy who has cancer and I prayed that he would be cured. And when St. Teresa hears you and is going to grant your prayers, she sends you roses as a sign. And I'm like, oh, great. But I, I it's a long story, but I had to really get busy at work my first day. So I went on and I didn't think much about it. And I would see her around. We didn't talk about that or we talked about dogs and stuff. And about a year later, she came down, stood in the doorway. Can I talk to you? Sure. Still wait. I'm still waiting for the legal question. She comes in. Shuts the door and she says, I lied to you. And I go, what did you lie about? I couldn't think of anything. She said, the little boy, remember? And I didn't really. So she told me the little boy with cancer. She goes, there was no little boy. It was me and I'm cured. I just found out. I go, that's great. Now, I didn't think that was a miracle. Although giving the flowers, I should have realized at that point that that was probably St. Therese bugging me to do it. But... So I just figured she got better because she believed she was going to get better because she got roses, right? So that was in 1997. In November of 2020, um, I had, in the beginning of 2020 with the pandemic, and they were talking about forcing people to be vaccinated, I thought, that cannot be legal. And so I was retired from the state, and I was doing my own research and stuff, and I found out, no, requiring people to be vaccinated is totally illegal. It's a violation of the International Covenant for Civil and Political Rights, Article 7, the Nuremberg Code. You can't pressure people to be in a giant human medical experiment, which is what this is. So I started doing handouts, and I would look for people with kids, because so many kids have been vaccinated. I can't, I can't tell you how many people, when I talk to them, I find out that this stuff is true. And so I was handing them out this stuff, telling them their legal rights, and I was posting them on the windows of my vans. And I want to move you along on this story here just because we've got a lot of phone calls here. So can sure. I have you move okay. forward to what happened? Yeah, I will. So what happened was I, I, I was telling people about what happened with St. Therese. And then that story got across the street to my neighbor who's from France, and she had the autobiography of a soul that St. Therese had written. She got this text message, and she invited me to come over. She said, would you like to borrow the book? I said, sure. So I borrowed the book, and I read it. And after I read it, I saw, okay, two things were important to me. St. Teresa says, don't pray to me. Talk to me like a kid talks to, to God. 
And the other thing was, and tell people what I do. Well, I had been telling people the story about the lady with the roses already. And so I stood up after I read that in the book, and I said, Hey, St. Therese, I did a favor for you. You asked me to turn those roses over. I did what you wanted, so I'm going to ask you for a favor, because apparently I could just talk to you. My favor is, please send help. All these kids are being damaged by these vaccines, and grown-ups too. Please send help. And so I plugged my iPhone in to charge. And in the morning when I got up and I unplugged it and I put in my passcode, the first screen I got was not the screen with all the little icons for things you can choose. The first screen I got was a painting of St. Therese that her sister Celine had painted with her roses. So she sent me roses. And I 100% believe that God and St. Therese and Jesus Christ are on our side. And they're going to help us stop what's going on because these vaccines actually are evil, the evil people who've done them. These are not the normal things. These are special ones, and they are bad. Thank you for letting me share that. Wow. What a story. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, you know, I've heard so many stories where St. Therese, she sends those roses, and uh, I, I don't know. I've, I don't know how many of those I've heard, Father. But um, Saint Therese, such a powerful intercessor, and that's that was her whole theme. She said, "I'm going to spend my my time in heaven doing good on earth." I I, I don't know if there's anybody I've ever met who, who doesn't just fall in love with Saint Therese as soon as they find out about her. Yeah, that's it. And you know, the the most important thing is the encouragement that she gives. You know, that's yeah. That you know more than the miracles, the encouragement that God is listening. God knows that we're here, and He um, He's, and He is helping us, even though we can't um, we can't see it. Yeah, Father, let's go to Donna. She's listening in Wisconsin. Hi, Donna. Thanks for calling in today. Hello. Hello, Donna. Uh, go right well, I'll ahead. I'll try to be short. Okay, I'll try to be short. Um, our miracle was. Um, my husband and I were in the process of adopting a foster child, and we had to have physicals. And when my husband had his physical, the doctor realized that his white blood count was extremely high. And uh, they did a bone marrow biopsy, and the doctor said, uh, you have acute leukemia, you have six months to live. Wow. We're going to send you to the university hospital in Madison. And this was on a Thursday, and we had an appointment in Madison on Monday. It was not enough time to mail the biopsy to Madison, and so we were to pick it up Monday morning from the one doctor and, tra- and take it down to the university hospital. Well, we arranged uh, for our priest to administer the sacrament of healing for my husband on Sunday evening. Monday morning, we picked up the slides brought all the information with us to Madison. And the doctors in Madison said, we do not see what they saw up in Mina. Uh, You do have leukemia, but it's not acute. It's chronic. And so you have seven to ten years. And I said, well, that's great. That's better than six months. And uh, anyway, uh, we feel that that was a, a little miracle for us. And... This happened um, 29 years ago. Oh wow! So, that's true. That's great. That's awesome news. <laughs> yes. So, so not seven to ten years. It was actually um, he's still alive, and it's been 29 years. So, all from the every day is a gift. Yes, every day is a gift, and that's why they call it the present. Okay, great. Well, so, thank you very much, Donna. 
Donna, thanks for calling in. Uh, you know, one of the other things that might be good to talk about here too, Father, is uh, with Leticia, we had St. Therese. And, you know, throughout the history of the church, we have certain individuals that have been used by God to provide healings, kind of be that conduit for miracles. Uh, we also have, um, you know, the anointing of the sick. That's a regular sacrament that, you know, we all have access to as Catholics. There's also relics. Maybe can we talk about people that God works through? Um, you know, is that just them being open to the Holy Spirit working and allowing God to work through them? And maybe talk about relics for a moment, too. Well, here, here's the thing. It's not like, oh, you know, you, you, uh, this person heals like Padre Pio, and that means he's holier than this other person. Because as um, St. Paul points out in his letter to the Corinthians, the, the spiritual gifts are given um, for the common good of people. And different gifts are given to different people for the common good. You know, it's just like everybody's not called to be a priest. Everybody's not called to be a father. Everybody's not called to be a plumber. You know, or, or, or we all do different things that build up the body of Christ. And there's all sorts of spiritual gifts and, you know, like prophecy and, um, and one of them is healing. And to some people is given that gift of healing and to some relics are, are given the gift of healing. And God picks certain places, as we talked about before, you know, certain relics, the handkerchiefs were that had touched St. Paul were, were brought to the sick and they would be healed. And so we're just not we're just not a spiritual beings as we talked about before you know god works through sacraments and he works through sacramentals which are you know whether with a sacrament you know grace is always given through the sacramental sign and through sacramentals you know sometimes it's there sometimes it's not it depends on the person's faith and what god wants to do with a particular sacramental so with people that have the gift of healing sometimes they heal sometimes they don't um a relic. Sometimes people find healing, sometimes they don't. The anointing of the sick always gives healing. It always gives spiritual healing. Sometimes it gives bodily healing, sometimes it doesn't, right? And so, but we do have these sacramentals, relics, persons to a certain extent, um, places like Lourdes or, you know, um, that um, God just gives to us as, if you will, kind of like added bonuses in the tapestry of the, of the Church of Christ. Well, so let's also talk for a moment, uh, just before we're out of time here, when we pray for a miracle, when we pray asking for things to turn out a certain way, the way that we might think would be best, and then they don't go how we hope, at least, you know, for me, it's easy to find myself with this attitude of, okay, what, what did I do wrong, God? <laughs> Why didn't you answer my prayer? Um, or sometimes I can just be saying, uh, God, I don't understand why, you know, this This seems like this would be within your will. How how do we find peace? How do we find that, that ability to accept when God doesn't work that miracle in our lives, that one that we just think, this is, I, I really need this, or this person I love, they really need this, and God says no. Well, the beautiful thing about praying for a miracle, if somebody really prays for a miracle with faith, right, um, in that act of praying for that miracle with faith, God will give that person the grace to accept with, um, 
with faith and with tranquility the fact that that miracle does not take place. And so it's been my experience that people generally are who generally have faith and are praying with God and trust in God's divine providence. If it doesn't take place, they're fine with that. God has prepared their soul for that event not happening. Um, for somebody who really gets angry and upset about it, that you wonder if they're really praying for a miracle, or if they're really testing God. And you know, we're not to put yeah. we're not to put God to the test, right? And so, don't test God. And as long as you're not testing God, you know. You, you, you'll be given the grace to accept whatever outcome takes place. Father Eric Nielsen, we're down to about 20 seconds here for a final blessing for our listeners. Okay, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would prepare the hearts of all of our listeners here for the coming of your Son at this Christmas season. May our Advent bring us a deeper faith and greater love for your divine providence. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father Eric, thank you so much for being on the program with us today. Apologies to those of you we didn't have time to get uh, that called in. I want to encourage you to stay tuned. We've got Mass that's coming up next. And tomorrow, we're going to be talking with Father uh, Ethan Southard about being called to single life. That's not just for single people. It might be for anyone, especially if you're looking at, you know, what happens after a spouse dies. We'll talk with you tomorrow.